Rodcast with Rod Black, brought to you by North Star Bets. That's a win. Now here's your host, Rod Black. Well, hi, everybody, and welcome to the Rodcast. Rod Black here, Rodcaster, podcaster, broadcaster. We've got a great treat today. We have the greatest female hockey player to ever play the game. That's why I got this on. There it is. Yes, the autographed Haley Wickenheiser, who is our guest today. Stand by, everybody. Let's roll with Haley Wickenheiser on the Rodcast. Hello, Haley Wickenheiser. Hi. How are <laughs> someone, you? someone who needs no introduction, but can I give you an introduction? <laughs> sure. Just keep it short. Okay. Okay. You might want you might want to go get a drink or something. No, no. Okay. So here we go. Uh, four-time Olympic gold medalist, seven-time world gold medalist, first women's position player to play in the men's pro game. Uh Played in the Summer Olympics in 2000 in softball, a member of the Hockey Hall of Fame, the Order of Canada, soon to be Canada's Sports Hall of Fame, Assistant General Manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs, played at the U of Calgary, got a degree in kinesiology, completed med school. So naturally, you're, you're Dr. Wickenheiser now. Uh, you have arena in your hometown of Shaunavon, Saskatchewan. You're an author. You've been a broadcaster. Uh, you've been in a video game. Uh, you're a philanthropist. Uh, you're an innovator. Uh, you helped invent the Wick stick. Uh, I think you invented the cell phone, uh, the strobe light, and the GPS. <laughs> what, 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 Haley Wickenheiser? What have you not done in your life? How come you have not won a Grammy, an Emmy, or an Oscar yet? Uh, I clearly do not like to be bored, but I'm getting tired, so <laughs> I have to just do one thing for a change. I mean, I, there's, there, I could go on and on, but I mean, you know. knowing you the way I know you. And first of all, hello, and it's just great to see you. It's been a long time, and congratulations on all your successes, Doctor Wickenheiser. <laughs> Easy on the doctor. Uh, but but there's so many ways we can go with this. But I uh, let, let's let's start with your current positions. Um, let's talk about medicine and that love that you've had, uh, and and how hard it was. I mean. We know how hard it is to win an Olympic gold medal and, and to play hockey at the highest level. You have been the greatest hockey player to ever play the women's game. But how hard has it been to become a doctor? Somebody asked me that today, actually. Um, and I said, it's, it's a different kind of hard. It, it's mentally very draining. There, there'll be nothing ever as hard as uh, winning Olympics and consecutively in over 20 years, like just that, that draw uh, that grind of the day, but this is a different kind of grind. It's, um, mentally mental and physical. Um, and then to just add in what I'm doing with hockey probably makes it seem more overwhelming at times. Um, just cause of lack of time. But, uh, I think in the pandemic, uh, it's been a challenge, um, based on just talking to my friends that are already, <clears throat> you know, well seasoned physicians that just, you're trying to learn in a deficit all the time. Um, you don't get a, as many patient interactions or experiences just early on when the pandemic started. So there's a lot of things that we had to pivot, but I like the challenge. It's definitely um, mentally very stimulating and I like working with people. And, I, you know, as an athlete, you're very selfish existence at times. You have to worry about yourself, like what you eat, you know, how you sleep, how you train, like it's everything's about your performance. And um, 
and I still care about those things, but just sort of taking that focus outwards has been just a really refreshing thing for me. And I, I really enjoy working with people. So take me back on the last couple of years and here you're, you know, you're going through your studies um, and suddenly, uh, and, and you know about the unpredictable, you played sports, but you're also were a captain and a leader. And, and, and there are some things in sports you can control. I mean, clearly none of us could control a, yeah. a worldwide global pandemic. How did it affect you? Uh, and I know you went to the front lines as well. And, and mm-hmm. what kind of perspective have you gleaned? Not, COVID is still around, but it, it seems that we're kind of entering that light. Of, you know, there's, it's a long tunnel. But what have the last couple of years been like, Wick? You know what? I wish I... I'm glad I don't have any perspective of been having been already in medicine and then seeing this change because from what I hear from my, again, from my friends, it's uh, it's been nothing short of a disaster for, for what everyone has had to deal with. But in saying that it's been amazing to be inside of medicine through these last few years. It's been very busy. I remember the first day that um, we got locked down, I was, Basically, I was going to the rink in the morning and then I was working in emerge uh, rooms across the GTA by afternoon, evening. And that was my life. So the days were like, you know, 16, 18 hour days. And I was kind of on this treadmill of just trying to survive. And then in 24 hours, it all stopped. And I was like, whoa, what am I going to do now? I literally have no NHL and no medicine because they pulled med students out uh, because we were worried about the shortage of PPE and we were worried about um, not having people to teach. So I like, remember I sent a tweet out about getting PPE uh, for people and Ryan Reynolds responded to me and he's a good friend. And he said, you know, could, could I amplify this? And I said, sure. And so 20 minutes later, he blasted it out to 35 million people. And then um, we got together with a group called Conquer COVID-19 and it was about 200 folks in the GTA who were trying to do the same thing. And so these people over eight weeks raised million and delivered 3 million items of PPE to over uh, 550 locations across Canada. And so in the early days of the pandemic, it was something that was really cool to be around. I remember I was delivering N95 masks to nurses in parking lots of major hospitals in Toronto um, because they didn't have any. And just like the shortages in the long-term care homes, like I got a chance to see all these things up close and personal. And then you know, you'd pivot and then I'd be going to the rink and listening to a player who makes six, seven, eight million dollars a year talking about their Xbox not working. (laughs) I'm like, oh my God, if you only knew what what is happening. So, but you know, I was that player too. I mean, perspective is very relative and stress is very relative, but it is funny. Some days I come from the world of medicine and I step into the world of hockey and I'm like, okay, like everybody needs to get a grip here. It's not that (laughs) <laughs> uh, but you're also um in your long list in my intro i you know the main things that you are is, is a great daughter as well a great friend and a mom as well and how did it affect your family life like as it did with all of us um i think well, we all had this uh sort of incredible epiphany that we realized that we even though we couldn't social distance we still had to get close to the people that we love For sure. I think this is what I've found in the pandemic is now that we're coming out of the pandemic, like what's left over the collateral damage is the isolation that people have gone through, the toll on mental health, um, and then the lack of family doctors. So when I'm working in the emergency department, I would say right now, 80% of what I see is either family medicine concerns or 
mental health because people are really still struggling. And that was a big thing. I know for me, like my family all lives in the West in Calgary and my son goes to school in Victoria and he had uh, like a very hard time being on Zoom all the time, like so many of our kids did. And I had to get him some help to get through it. And um, you know, like, like so many kids had to, and I think just the isolation and then you're worried. My parents are older, they're in their seventies. And, you know, it was like, listen, you need to, not that they weren't, but like, take this seriously. And this is what you have to do. And, you know, not, you know, grandparents not getting to see grandkids and people just going through so many hardships. Uh, I think that that's the toll of this pandemic more than, more than anything else. We've all come through the other side of it for the most part, but um, it's been hard on people. Did you, um, lean on some of your great leadership skills that you've had through the years and, and your ability to conquer, I know, sports adversity. Did you lean on some of that as, as you went through all of this? And as you go through emergency rooms, do, do you, do you, is, is there any kind of correlation or am I, am I reaching? No, it's, it's a 100% correlated every single day. I will, I can always pick out the athletes when I'm working or people that have worked in a team sport. You, you can just tell, like, you just know when you start talking and working with people in medicine, if they have been on a team before. Um, and I find like just handling pressure, um, my ability to work under fatigue um, is pretty high just because, you know, I'm pretty fit and what I did for a long time under a lot of like physical duress. So I find even though I'm older starting medicine, I, I can handle that. And then the, making the decisions under pressure, um, you know, you learn like there's definitely overwhelming times and I definitely don't know a lot but i know that i know how to kind of calm myself down in the moment and i'll often remind myself like you know in key moments in hockey like i would sort of self-talk to myself so all of these things are very key and then working with people and being in a team like knowing when to lead and then knowing when to sit back and keep your mouth shut as a rookie doctor and just listen and you know follow their follow people's lead like they're it's all the same it really is and i, I find that really interesting so, okay, now you're part of another team uh, and you've always worn the maple leaf, uh, the red leaf, and yeah. now you're part of the blue leaf. Um, take me to the moment when you got the calls. I mean, you've had a couple of promotions and you're the assistant general manager now and congratulations, you deserve all of this. Uh, what yeah. a different world. I mean, maybe, maybe it's good that you're a doctor because, and were, hey, were you even a leaf fan growing up no I have to admit I mean I uh, I was the biggest Edmonton Oilers fan and any <laughs> of my teammates anybody that knew me knew that like it was Messier and Gretzky like by ride or die the Oilers of the 80s I still tell Paul Coffey all the time how much I love him <laughs> and, uh, you know like I just love those guys now that I've gotten to know them it's kind of it's strange but uh, you know it was it you know that was my that was my thing I I didn't like the Leafs at all um, but I was, I had started a med medicine and I was one month in and I got a call from Kyle Dubas saying, you know, would you like to work for the Leafs? And, uh, I was like, I honestly was, it came out of the blue. Were you floored? What, I mean, what was like, I, I just thought like I was going to quit hockey, like quit hockey, retire from hockey and never yeah. be in hockey again. Like I'm just moving on. And, uh, then he called and I said, well, <laughs> sure, but I, I have to finish medicine. Like I have to do this. This is something I wanted to do my whole life. Um, I really enjoy it. So we said he flew to Calgary and we sat down and we chatted it through of how it could look. And I think I'm four years in now and still standing, but I was 
I would be flying back and forth like four to eight times a month between Calgary and Toronto, um, podcasting medicine lectures on the way and then watching video <laughs> and uh, hockey video and stuff. So it's just a, like a labor of love they both are. And I'm able to, to manage both so far. I'm looking forward to being finished residency and being able to be a staff and make my own life and schedule that will help. What's, um, what's a day-to-day like in the hockey world? Um, and, and, and how challenging is that? Yeah, you know, it's um, day-to-day is, is pretty consistent right now. I mean, player development side of things never stops. So we work 12 months of the year um, and I have uh, a 10 play or 11 of us that work in player development that I kind of oversee. And so uh, right now we're getting through the Traverse City Prospects Tournament. Um, I'm currently here in Toronto and, and I'll go to the rink in the morning We'll have staff on the ice. I may or may not be on the ice with players, depending on what's happening. And, you know, just making sure that all the players are taken care of. Um, usually I spend my mornings at the rink uh, and uh, come home and I'll do video, make calls, do Zooms, paperwork, things like that by night if I'm not working in medicine. So it's a bit of a mixed bag on the day. But we have 85 players, basically, that we take care of from prospects through the Leafs. And on any given day, you could be on the ice with a prospect a Marley or, or a leaf, depending on what's happening. So it's a lot of fun. I think there's a lot of demands because you, your job is to help players get better in every way that you can. And, um, but we have a great staff. They, they do an awesome job. So do you think there's going to come a time when you have to make a choice between medicine and hockey? No, I don't think so. I think I'll be able to blend both or just do one. <laughs> but uh, if I think if I if I still have a job in, in hockey and uh, you know medicine, I will I will always have a job. Hopefully, uh, I can I could probably I could probably do both in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, and I'm sure you've heard this question many times, but there always has been a comparison between men's and women's hockey through the years. You played men's professional hockey, of course. Mm-hmm have you noticed any differences? I mean, beyond the fact that pro game and you're yeah. dealing with guys who are worried about their, their video games, et cetera, et cetera. But have yeah. you noticed anything that you've had to hone up or perhaps a part of the women's game that you've been able to bring to the men's game? Or are we just, should we just look at it as, as hockey player? <laughs> uh, the, you know, two different games. Um, the, the way that, uh, the, the way that the NHL is played is very different than than women's international hockey by the virtue of the physiology of the players, the size, the speed, the way shots happen from further out. Essentially, though, the game is the game. Like the heart and soul of a player doesn't change on their gender. Their work ethic doesn't change mm-hmm. on their gender. Um, you know, the price tag at the end at the end of the day is is definitely something there. There's a gap in, but. Um, I think generally speaking, uh, it's communication I find is the difference. So how you communicate, I'm, I'm definitely probably more comfortable in the male environment because I tend to be more of a straight shooter. Just say it how it is. It's very black and white. I've seen um, that. Yeah. <laughs> in the women's game, you're, you know, you kind of have to massage things and you just handle it differently in the dressroom, which, uh, you know, it's fine. But here, uh, I find the, the pro game from that perspective is a little bit more evolved because there's so much competition that you, you know, you just lay it on the line. If you don't perform, you're gone. And every guy knows that when they come in, they know there's a paycheck at the end of the day. Um, and so there is this standard and, and expectation. Now I would say that there still is that on the, on the women's national team, but it's just got a different feel when at the end of the day, you know, I think players are 
are in much bigger competition fighting for, for their lives. So, but otherwise, you know, hockey is hockey and skill development is, is skill development. Uh, have you gained a lot more friends in Southern Ontario since you've moved here <laughs> looking for tickets? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Do you, do you, have you had to block any friends? <laughs> Have you, have you, have you looked down and go, Oh, oh I know what they want. I know maybe they're listening. Maybe they're not, but it is crazy here. I mean, it, it, you're not only dealing with the leaf nation here, but as you know, there are so many leaf fans coast to coast to coast. Yeah. It's amazing. I mean, you, you can definitely see that some players can handle this environment and others can't, there's a high expectation to perform, which there should be. And there are people here are dying for a repeat of 67 and, and to win again. And the city loves, loves to win. We saw it with the Raptors a few years ago. So I like it. I like when people, you know, are, are, are rabid about it. You would want to, it's like you, when I played softball in the summer Olympics, it was a, a sport where there was no expectations that we would get a medal. And then I went back to hockey and it was like, well, don't come home with, without the gold medal. I'd much rather be in the hockey environment than the softball environment at that time. And that's kind of how I feel about, you know, a market in middle of nowhere versus the Toronto market for hockey. Like where else would you rather be playing? People love you, but it's, it's definitely a mixed bag. And, um, you know, I just tell people I can't get tickets. So <laughs> I have it on for you. <laughs> um, being around the Austin Matthews, the Mitch Marners, the Nylanders, the skill levels of these players. Um, what have you noticed? Just like, they're just great players. These are just great skilled players that are young guys that um, will are, are evolving and maturing in, in a, in a spotlight and in a fishbowl where people expect it to happen yesterday. And um, I noticed from my role in development that when your best players on the team, like Austin and Mitch, when they want to come out for development sessions all the time, it builds this culture where the entire team ends up coming out on the ice. And that's, that's what you want is your best players to be constantly looking for ways to get better. And that's what I find with those guys. Do you miss playing? Um, I miss the big stage. I always love the big games and the big moments. I miss the day-to-day -day training and being an athlete and the grind of that in some ways. I don't miss the other stuff and the rest of it too much. I, it, you know, I, right now I'm so busy that I think it's been a nice, a nice way for me to transition out of playing. And it's probably masked by the fact that I get to jump on the ice and pass pucks to the best players in the world every day. So in my head, I'm still kind of playing. <laughs> Yeah, you look back at it though. What a, what a career you've had, and 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 people, you know, look at all the gold, but there's a lot of silver there too. And I, you know, watching you and covering you the way I covered you through the years, I, I could see that that disappointment that led to a challenge to win the gold, to, to overcome adversity, um, and that is that's women's hockey in a nutshell. Canada, United States. I, mm -hmm. When you look back on those four Olympic gold medals, I'm, I'm sure you have thought about them many, many times. Is there one that's, 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 that shines a little brighter or are they all equal? Um, they're all special as they've all had a, a, a really unique story to them. But I would say like winning in Vancouver, winning in Canada was like, mm. it's hard to, it's hard to top that or ex explain. It's, it's probably like as close as it will feel to winning a Stanley cup in Toronto, you know, with the streets of Vancouver, people flooded out there. They were all for Canada. Then watching the men's team do it a few days later and just seeing how proud our country was, was like, it was just the whole, whole thing was amazing. Um, the Sochi year was a lot of adversity and then we came back in dramatic fashion. So that's, you know, from just a, a hockey comeback was amazing. And, 
And then Salt Lake, when you added in 9-11, uh, I could probably throw away Torino a little bit. It was like unremarkable. <laughs> but <laughs> Salt Lake was was special too, because that uh, we had lost so much and we were penalized for half the game. So, yeah. yeah. The game has come so far. Um, and, and probably, you know, you look back on it, too bad it hadn't started earlier. And we would, you know, not be talking about the fact that women don't have a pro league or at least one big pro league right now where, you know, women could be making money playing professionally. You could have made making, I, I would have thought, you know, again, playing in a, in a pro mm -hmm. league, a legitimate, um, like the men pro league where you're getting that kind of money. Um, we could art, you know, talk about that all day long and where it's going, but it has come and made great strides through the years, considering when you go back to 98 and the first Olympics and, Yes, it's always been Canada and the United States. They're the superpowers. But I, I argue with people all the time and say that, yeah, the rest of the world is catching up. But you know what? Canada and the United States are getting better, too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the thing is, <laughs> for sure, is as the country's, um, you know, the the worst player in the women's game today is a better player than the worst player 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Like that's that's basically, I think, where the game has improved, if, if you want to sort of evaluate it like that. Um you know, I do, I do have concerns though with Sweden and Finland. I, I don't necessarily think they're actually getting better. Um, you know, it's it's been a regression, actually, and it's it's been interesting to watch the Czechs. Uh, I think that's a country that's made huge strides, um, and coaching is a direct impact on that. So when I look at places like Finland and Sweden, and I see the lack of investment. Um, you know, at one point in time, Finland was, uh, was playing, Sweden was playing for a gold medal against us in Torino and Finland was right up there. They, a couple of years ago to win. So, uh, we just need those countries to continue to push the game forward. And then, you know, you have your other countries like Switzerland, which has come a long way, uh, the Germans, and then Russia is always that outlier. So, um, yeah, it makes for always an interesting dynamic. You never know what you're going to get. It was nice to see the Czechs come, come away with a bronze this time, but, um, you know, the rest of the world has to work as hard as Canada and the U.S. are in order for the game to be, you know, really in a good spot for a long time. Such a rivalry, though, that this cross-border rivalry, you're hugely <laughs> part of it. It, it continues. It's um, there's bitterness. Uh, and that's one of the things about a rivalry. You yeah. get on the ice. You want to beat the snot out of your opposition. That's the way it works. Come yeah. off the ice. You can be friends. Um, and, and, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's. That that's that's sport, and that's the way it is. I mean, they they mark they have a scoreboard for that. Yeah. Uh, there there must have been in the, some heated heated rivalries through your years playing. Yeah, I think it was way more heated than it is today. Only in the sense that many many of the players when I first started, they didn't cross the border that many players to play in the in the U.S. And now a lot of those players play NCAA, so they know each other. It's kind of like the NHL, how how it's evolved with international players coming in. Um, so you really had like a Cold War situation where it was like the border stopped Canada and the U.S. And I remember you know, many times if I an elevator opened and a U.S. player was in it. I'd, I'll take the stairs. Thank you. <laughs> and that's very intense. Is there, is there one player in particular you'd like to mention? <laughs> I know, but it's weird because was, then I worked was, did, was she tall or short, blonde or brunette? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to put you on the spot. Her name was Angela Ruggiero, and I will say. Oh, um, yeah. You did. I, I, oh, and yeah, Ruggiero. Ruggiero. And you're both in the Hall of Fame. You both have done so much for the game. 
And then we kind of ended up friends after it was all said and done because I ended up on the IOC uh, working with her yes. for eight years. And uh, the first day I started, she said, well, I guess we got to probably be friends now. <laughs> and and if you know her, she's like, but yeah, I can tell you, and this is not, this is, you know, not an insult towards you. You are a stubborn player. Like oh, you yeah. play hard. Oh, yeah. Guess who else plays hard? Angela Ruggiero. Yeah, she definitely played hard. I have a lot of respect. She was a very good, a very good, great player. And, uh, and that's why, you know, we hated each other, but we always had this respect. There was this, this healthy respect. Cause you know, we recognized that we tried to kill each other and, and we like that, but so I, I respect her a lot. She was probably the best defenseman the Americans have ever had. And, and just a great, she was a great player. Yeah. You look, have you watched, uh, I certainly have, but I mean, have, what have you noticed, um, based on the national team? And I, I had so many conversations through the years and I know you, your team went through that long drought uh, mm -hmm. at the Worlds, not at the Olympics, but at the Worlds. And every game, by the way, was so close. Every game you played against the U.S. But there seemed to be a time when the American program just seemed to be take, taking off, and they were very tough to catch or to beat. Yeah. That that seems to have changed in the last couple of years, particularly with the youth movement in Canada. Well, I think the reality is, is COVID. And yeah. uh, what we've seen here, and I said this uh, to someone the other day, I, I, I actually haven't watched a ton because I'm just very busy but um uh, but i what i will say is um i said when the, the pandemic started this is a major advantage in hockey canada because one thing that hockey canada does better than any other country in the world is preparation and so you know that the americans aren't going to invest the same way that we were um pandemic really isolated those college players uh, kicked a lot of countries backwards like we've seen with finland and sweden and pretty much every other country and Canada just kind of found ways to plod along. So I think the biggest thing right now that's uh, separating the two countries is the disparity in the preparation and because of the pandemic. Um, but it is, it can be a cyclical thing and it, it always comes down to, you know, the strength of the people in the program and what they're willing to invest. Yeah, where you don't have a commissioner in women's hockey and you got too many jobs, so you can't become the, the head of women's hockey, but you would be a good head of women's hockey. If you had sort of, wishes or hopes for women's hockey right now or changes that you would like to instill what would they be my biggest question is always why can't the women in the game running the leagues figure it out uh, we have two leagues i and people will say you know what's the biggest problem with women's hockey i said it's not the nhl coming in to, to take it over they're very interested and willing it's the two leagues that can't figure out a way to get along and the best players in the world have to play in one league there's not room for two leagues so um, you know, I would say that, you know, figure it out, figure it out, find a way. And, uh, there has to be a way forward. I have no idea. And, and the NHL to be involved, it, it makes so much sense, Wick. Well, Could it's the only way that it's going to survive or another major, another major entity with willing to lose money for several years to start yeah. up a professional women's league. Like, like that's the WNBA did. Remember that's how it ended. Look what the WNBA has become. Exactly. So it's a long game and I've had many conversations with Gary Bettman about it. They're not willing to step in and interrupt and be seen to break up two leagues. And, and the people that are involved in those two leagues, like really just need to figure it out. So the women, like, the, like I said, the women in the women's game, they control their own destiny. When you go back, I don't know if you have, I don't even know if you have time to look in the rearview mirror, but when you think about that young Haley Wickenheiser and Shonovan Saskatchewan growing up, could you have ever imagined the, the life that you have lived? And skated 
and it's still, you know, very much flourishing. I don't even think you've you yeah. reached your prime in some of the things you're going to do. But you ever thought back to that innocence of, I'm sure you played outdoors. Yeah. And you had to play with the boys. I don't think there were too many girl leagues back then. Uh, and, and how far you have come and where everybody knows your name. Well, you know, it is. I remember as a little girl, I would practice signing my name hundreds of times on paper, like because I was going to play for the Edmonton Oilers. So I was practicing my autograph. So with Paul Coffee, with the Paul Coffee, yeah, <laughs> D partners. <laughs> and, uh, you know, but growing up, my, my parents and the people in my community, they never said, like, oh, don't think about that. That's not going to happen. They just said, oh, yeah, okay, go to the rink and play. And so I was always allowed to like dream. And I feel like so grateful for the environment that I grew up in because it was very supportive and there wasn't this looming pressure to, you know, do things. It was, if I wanted to do it, it was going to happen. And then I just fell in love with the game. And I think when you do things with passion and you enjoy the everyday craft, and the grind, which I definitely did. And I gave my heart and soul to the game. Then it, you know, it took me wherever it has, has taken me today. So everything I have in my life, I owe to the game of hockey, every single thing. And, uh, it's uh, it's been amazing to be to be able to have this life and you know it's not been an easy way but I know it's way easier for me than it was for women 30 years before me yeah and you've been a trailblazer in many ways you've been a hero to so many how cool is it and when I've done games and when you were playing I've always looked out in the the crowd down below us and some enormous houses I think back uh, to Ottawa how many people there were there in Halifax and to see all the jerseys, and I, I think everybody wore number 22. It was like, there it is. I'm going like, look at all these Wickenheisers down there. What? Uh, how cool must that have been to not only see the young girls, but the young boys wearing your jersey? Yeah, no, it's very flattering. I mean, um, I had a I had a guy come up to me today. I was uh, doing this thing and he said, and he was an older gentleman, like in his 60s. And he he started crying when he started talking about watching the women's game. And I was like, oh, that's so great. <laughs> so I always find it cool when young boys or older guys, especially because, you know, there is something to that that respect level and, and, and knowing that people enjoy what you did and how you played the game. So um, it's very cool. And I'll never forget it. And I miss I miss that. I will always miss that. There's nothing that will ever fill that um, that joy or that rush that comes with. 80,000 people cheering for you. Um, but there's, there's also another, there's life, there's other life out there. Yeah. <laughs> and all the other things that have gone with it though, the, the, the residue, as I call it, the, the extras, the gravy to, to have all of, the, I, I know you got a blank wall behind you, but I don't know if you have a trophy case. Um, I'm not putting your address up by the way, <laughs> like all the gold medals, all this stuff. Like, I guess, well, here, do you go to the Hockey Hall of Fame, like put a disguise on and go in there and go, hey, where's, <laughs> where's my little plaque <laughs> or big plaque? Is there is there a little exhibit over there? I mean, I remember when Gretzky tells a story, if he went in one time and he was showing his son how to shoot and somebody, <laughs> some other kid came up and said, no, that's not the way you do it. <laughs> he said, Gretz just gave that's him some amazing. life. But if, I mean, yeah. Wick, I mean, yeah. all the trophies, all the awards. I mean, you could have your own Haley Wickenheiser Hall of Fame. <laughs> you know what? I uh, have not one piece of hockey up in my house. Not one. Um, I, yeah, I, it's yeah. it's all in boxes in 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 one room back back in Calgary, actually, in my other place, and it just sits there. I still haven't figured out what to do with all of it. I asked my son the other day, and he said, uh, 
I said, do you want me to like auction it? And he's like, no, 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 you should hang on to it. Like maybe someday I'll be interested in it. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, I just, um, you, you don't like wear your gold medal out to a dinner restaurant. Cause if you didn't have a reservation, there's, Hey, I got a little, no, <laughs> or no, to the I, bar. Hey, you know. I have used it to get out of a couple speeding tickets. Through the US. <laughs> <laughs> so I will say that I take the medal with me often. <laughs> that, little facts of Haley Wickenheiser. You didn't know. Charlie Obviously in your life, you have to um, just have a tendency to go over the speed limit a little because you're busy. You have to, you have to travel. Oh, fast. No, I mean, I, yeah, a few times. Once I was with Carla McLeod, former teammate, and, and I told her. She drives fast. Yeah, she, it was her fault. And then we, uh, do you miss your old teammates? Yeah, I still keep in touch with many of them. I was just talking to Megan Augusta yesterday and keep in touch with my Lionese Spooner and Augusta quite a bit. And I, uh, I often see them randomly, like several of the players I played with from like different generations too. Um, whether it's Fiona Smith from the, the 98 team and, um, you know, all these friends through the years. I was just talking with Geraldine Heaney the other day, Angela James, I see around. And so, yeah, it's, uh, you keep in touch with some others. You don't like just kind of like normal, but, um, it's, those are the relationships and the battles that you have that you'll forever. Every time I see Pounder, we're always laughing. <laughs> oh, yeah. <Pounder> Keller. <laughs> so you have, yeah. you have to laugh. She's just, uh, she's <laughs> a terrific person, but the appreciation level that you must have, because you started at such a young age, um, for the Blazers, the Trail Blazers before you too, who also um, are so humble. Uh, Geraldine Heaney, who is, is such an awesome person, Angela of Beauty, Angela James, all those names, you know, uh, that have mm -hmm. helped carve this ice path for girls and women in hockey. Mm -hmm. Oh, for sure. I mean, I, I owe everything to those, or those women in my first say 10 years, because those were the players that taught me, you know, how to be a pro. Like you're talking about Angela James was my first center. I was her winger. Um, you know, I remember her saying like, just get the puck to me, Rook, and I'll do the rest. She did. <laughs> yeah, she did. And, uh, you know, Danielle and Danielle Goyette and I, we work side by side every day, uh, all mm -hmm. day now. And, um, you know, we went through a lot of battles. We're line mates for many years. And, you know, she's one of my closest friends and confidants in the job that we do together. And, um, you know, we still are going through a lot of battles, you know, even in the, the job with the Leafs now. So like there's and, and Geraldine Heaney was just in la last week with her staff to listen to Sheldon Keefe's coaching meetings and and be around. So they reach out and, um, you know, I, I hope I can pay it forward to help them too, the way that they help me. Wick, you've done so much, uh, and I, you, we take up no, way too much of your time. But I do um, have a few more questions for you, and these can. This is not like a game show or anything. I, I call no. it a quick eighteen. And I know you do play some golf. Um, oh, terribly, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't even know if you have time. Yeah, since med school. <laughs> I don't even know if you have time to golf because you're. Yeah. One, yeah. one of the things I should have mentioned is you're a professional juggler because you yes. juggle I have so many things. True. So uh, this can be a one-word answer, or just uh, you take as long as you want. There, there, there's no right or wrong. I, okay. st I still can't believe that you don't have one piece of hockey memorabilia there. No, not one. I don't. I got this autographed Haley Wickenheiser uh, thing over here. I'll send it to your place, and you can. <laughs> I keep one on hand. And by the way, I speak for all. And I got a daughter who plays hockey, and she's got the Wickenheiser uh, jersey. My one of my sons has a Wickenheiser jersey, and what you've done to inspire as this generation is with Marie-Philippe Poulain 
and what she has done and all the great captains, Captain Canada's, as we have called you through the years. And that yes. must, and by the way, that must have been unbelievable to to wear. Oh yeah, that that Canadian jer jersey. And I know you've, I've asked you many times, but maybe now that you're not playing for the national team, the the passion that you must have had putting it on. I don't think it ever got old to any of you. No, no. It's such an honor. Like every time I put it on, I said, okay, this I'm representing 37 million people. Like don't screw up here. You know, like you do feel like I felt like that anyway, I felt very responsible to do a job for Canada and I was, I loved it. Okay. Are you ready to play a quick 18? Haley yep. Okay. Here we go. Yep. All right. Superstition or ritual that you had? Just always warmed up the same way before every game, 45 minutes, juggled, handled the puck, listened to my music. Why number 22? 99 Gretzky, 11 Messier, double number, and my best friend was number two. And coffee eventually wore seven. Oh, and 77. <laughs> 77 for Paul, too. I got Paul's, Paul's listening, Paul's watching. Yes. He's, he's your biggest fan. Uh, you're the best goal you ever scored. Um, I don't know. Um, I think there was a world championships in Winnipeg, um, scored a big goal in the final there. Um, like top shelf. That's one of them that comes to mind. Funniest or most embarrassing or interesting moment that you've ever had in hockey. It could be an on ice dressing room thing. I mean, you probably have tons, but is there one that just comes to mind? I grabbed a uh, spray bottle I thought was water in the 94 Pacific Rim Championship, and I thought I sprayed my face, but it was rubbing alcohol, and I went blind for the third period. <laughs> I yeah. still played, but I couldn't see anything. Yeah, you, you still scored three goals, though. I, mean, I just thought it. <laughs> I did not, but I, I, no, I think I was like. Oh, man. Uh, not good for the eyes. Uh, no. Best coach you ever had? Oh, you're putting me on the spot. Um, and well, I know you had a lot. I had a lot, like uh, Wally Kozak, amazing, just mentor. Um, Kevin Deneen, you know, was a great coach in the last uh, Olympics that we had. They're all, like, interesting at times. <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Okay, there you go. I, I yeah. know where you're going. Uh, yeah. The rival that, that, and I know you, you hated playing against Ruggiero, but yeah. the rival that you really looked forward to facing. Uh, the, like the one player, I mean, one player it could be a couple. Yeah, like it was all like in the earlier years, it was it was going up against Ruggiero on the blue line, Granado on the you know always scored on the power play, shutting her down on the penalty kill. Uh, you know, uh, Wendell uh, was a, such a talented player; you always had to watch out for her. Then it was Darwitz, and then uh, I would say probably in the last bit, I would say um, uh, Knight and um, oh my god, Decker. Decker's a very good player, so. You're going head to head against those guys. You knew you had to you know, bring your best game. I know you're humble. I think you're the greatest player that I ever played. I know a lot of people put you in that category, but who, in your mind, you can't put your name there, is the greatest women's hockey player ever? Beyond you, you know, after you. Oh man, um, there's a lot of them. <sighs> Hillary Knight's broken so many records. She's a great goal. I think they're also different, right? Yeah, they're different. I mean, Knight's offensive mm -hmm. um Poulin's a great player um uh I, I put you know he he knew he right up there in a defense uh, you know Angela James and her era Danielle Goya was the maybe the most talented of them all uh, oh. offensively um 
yeah, it, yeah, those, those are the sort of the top that, that come to mind, I would say, but I'm probably missing someone. Rika Neiman and the Finnish player was very, very good. People don't know how good she was if she played on a good hockey team with good players early and for, for often. That was a very smart hockey player. Yeah, in, in the International Hockey Hall of Fame and then retired and then actually played afterwards. Yeah, she's going into the hall, I think, this year. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's in, in, in amazing, amazing. Uh, best teammate you ever had? And oh, I, mean, I, had, I had I had so many, but Judy Didick was, you know, she was my, <laughs> she was hilarious, great teammate, just funny, um, loved her, played with her for a long time. Maybe the same category, funniest teammate. Uh, she would be in. She probably is right up there. Um, Luce Laton, who is a French player, um, very funny. Manon Rayon was also very funny. Mm. Um, so yeah, those those few. Yeah, people forget too. I mean, not, not that they don't, but uh, what Manon Riom did for women's hockey. Oh, yeah. Manon. Getting a chance to play in the National Hockey League. Yeah, yeah. No, Manon was, uh, was amazing. Uh, I got a chance to spend a lot of time with her when, around that time when she was doing the, the game for Tampa. And she was, a, again, a really big role model for me. I know you don't have time because you got so many other things to watch television, but if you had a favorite binge show sometimes you probably just want to chill i'm sure yeah, you all the time. You, have you been binging anything can you binge anything if there is was was your favorite binge show on netflix or crave or whatever those um are. my most recent is i started the crown <laughs> yeah. you know, because uh well I, you know the queen and yeah and then Noah said it was good. So I, I'm slogging my way through season two, just hoping it'll oh. pick up. But um yeah, the crown. Um I do watch a lot of docu documentaries on Netflix. I can't remember what the last one is, but I watch Netflix all the time. <laughs> May she rest in peace, our queen. I, did, yeah. I should know this. Did you ever meet Queen Elizabeth? I, I never did. No. Oh. No. No, I never did. Um, yeah, that's the it's one of the few things that, you know, because you often get to meet the Canadian people and uh, she mm -hmm. I just never did um, mm. but I've, I've met uh i've met the sons the boys a few times mm. yeah. uh your favorite all-time movie uh life is beautiful oh that's a good one yeah, yeah it's a good one principetto yeah uh uh your favorite band or singer uh all time i'd say you too um love the hip as well um yeah yeah, I'd say those two. Yeah, I'm sure you met all the hip guys, right? Yeah, great guy. Yeah, they've been around so many celebrations every yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah, they were they're big, big boosters of women's hockey. Favorite song? If you had one song you, you could listen to all the time, what would that be? Um, Eminem, um, Lose Yourself. I always listened to it in the dressing room when I was getting ready to play in Finland and Sweden when I played overseas. Yeah, yeah every every for every single game. It was like my motto, my team, my song for me. So you probably know a few lyrics. Can you give us a few? Lose yourself uh, in the moment. Uh, this is your one shot. You know that. You know I'm not going to sing it or rap. No, that's it. We'll I, I did see. I, I thought I saw something. Somebody tweeted out a few years ago when you guys did your dressing room stuff. I think you were singing or dancing or something. Oh well, there was a lot of that that went yeah, on. Yeah. Mostly uh, by Pounder and Keller, I will say. Oh yeah. Um, the the most famous person in your contacts, I, I would say Ryan Reynolds would have to be right up there. Yeah, Ryan would be up there. Um, yeah. How cool is that, dude? He's a cool. He's a great guy. Great human. Great Canadian. Canadian should be proud. He's a good. He's yes. A good, what yeah. you both did, I I, I should have worn my Conquer COVID, but you know something, I think we've 
we may have conquered it or getting close to. So. I think so. We got to move on. And yeah. I feel like we're on the other side. Good. Good for you. Um, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok. What's your favorite platform? <laughs> uh, it's not all, not none of the above, but Twitter and Instagram are what I use the most. Okay. Who, who do you follow? Is there a follow that you have that you really like following? Um, I like following, um, my son and I fire each other back and forth funny, like memes all the time. So nice. yeah, do that. I follow a lot of her like fitness and, uh, people doing interesting things in the gym and mm -hmm. uh, just like stupidity. I, mm -hmm. I enjoy it for a good laugh. That's, that's what it's there for. Uh, what in your mind would be your kind of aha YouTube moment, um, in your great glorious career if you had like one that maybe oh. even you sneakily look back and go oh i remember that that was so oh well that one's easy because it's the dawn cherry rant about the flag in salt lake everybody everybody talks still about that one they still do don't they oh my god all the time There's, i think i think they could actually do just to do a documentary on that rant yeah let it go should be the theme song of that one <laughs> Let it go. Let it, um, best Christmas gift Haley Wickenheiser ever got? Um, oh, man, I don't know. I, I got, I probably when I, I was, I think, six, I got my first pair of brand new skates because until that point in time, I wore these, these terrible skates. So when I got my first pair of new skates for Christmas, that was a big deal. Uh, your, your best Halloween costume you ever wore? <sighs> Oh my, my lights just went on one sec. One sec. It was, I know what it was. It was Scream when you went in the dark. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Or maybe Stranger Things. Isn't that funny how we talk about Halloween? You go to the dark. I think I just lost power. Uh, I still I see you. It's okay. Yeah, no, uh, Halloween, uh, I don't know. I don't I don't know. We did, we did a lot of fun ones through the years as a team, but I can't remember one in particular. When was the last time you paid your power bill? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know. Oh, uh, uh, we're coming down the stretch here. Four people, past or present, you'd love to have at a dinner. What restaurant would you go to and who would they be? Um, I would pick like Soto Soto. I love that place in, in Yorkville. And four people, um, the queen. <laughs> so that would be interesting. I'll say... Um, I'll say Ryan because that would be funny. Mm -hmm. um, um, I don't know, man. You asked some tough ones. I'll throw in, um, I'll throw in Oprah Winfrey just because she's probably has lots of good stories, and uh, we'll bring uh, Michael Jordan because that'll round it out. <laughs> that 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 is a great dinner at Soto Soto, and Ryan Reynolds would have been crack. He'd crack even the, the queen up if he. Was oh yeah, there. they'd probably be just cracking up all night. Yeah. What would uh, you say? to a 16 year old Haley Wickenheiser now that you know you're you're a little bit old just a little bit older than 16 don't become a doctor resident you can't pay your power bill <laughs> it's a long road a lot of debt <laughs> um, but uh, no i would say if you want to become a doctor do it uh, follow you know follow what your passion is make sure you're doing things that you want to do not that others are wanting you to do i think would be a big thing and um Stay off the social media. Watch it. Uh, I, you know, it, just, it can be really toxic. I think for kids, and I, I just because I see that a lot in medicine, just the the cruelty and the social world that we live in is can be a dangerous one. So just be uh, careful. 
Yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, where do you want to be 20 years from now? Oh my gosh, retired on a beach, not doing anything. Turks and Caicos. <laughs> That's Turks right here. <laughs> yeah, you know, honestly, like probably seriously retired um, on a beach, but um, I'll probably be always doing something interesting. Hopefully. Yeah, you can't you can't slow down. Uh, finally, if you can finish this sentence, I Haley Wickenheiser owe my success to. My, my parents um, and my community that raised me that believed that a little girl could do anything that a little boy could do. We were 30 kids on our block and we had so many people in my community that were constantly driving to hockey games, driving to rinks. And my mom and dad were at the front of all of that, just letting me live because it was my dream, not because not they, they wanted it done. So I, I really owe them a debt of gratitude. Yeah, we owe you, um, all Canadians, all hockey fans, uh, a debt of gratitude. Uh, I say this often, you're you're the greatest women's hockey player, but you're an even better person. And you're going to make a great doctor. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and when you hoist the Stanley Cup in Toronto, <laughs> I, I, please, please put up some hockey memorabilia in your room. And yes. please try to get some light. <laughs> In power bill. I don't know what's going on. I'm so it's sorry. Wick, you're yeah. awesome. I love you. Uh, you're a great friend. Uh, can't <laughs> wait to see what your next success is. Uh, you deserve everything you get. Well, thanks so much, Rod, and anytime for you. Thank you, Thank Power It's almost hard to believe what Haley Wickenheiser has accomplished, and she's still doing it every single day, checking off things on her bucket list. We'd like to thank her for joining us on the broadcast today. She is a terrific person. Anybody who was watching today, show that interview to your young kids, the young girls, young boys who are dreaming about doing something. And dreams can come true when you work hard at it. Haley has worked so hard. She continues to not only make great contributions to the hockey world, but also to society. She has done it all and she's not done yet. Thank you, Haley, for everything you've done. Can't wait to see what you're going to do next. And thank you all. We'll see you next time, the next episode of The Rodcast. The Rodcast with Rod Black, brought to you by North Star Bets. That's a win.